Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. Thank you for joining us today as we launch into an entire new series entitled Common Christian Problems. Is it common for Christians to have problems? Uh, That's the point of this episode today, and I'll just right up front tell you exactly the point of this episode, and it's this. All Christians have problems. I'll underscore that word, all. All Christians have problems. All Christian marriages have problems. I can remember at a Catholic men's conference, I said, basically this, that all marriages have problems. And I says, is there any man here who's in a, who's married and who hasn't had uh, problems in your marriage? And one hand went up and I called on the guy. Yeah, I was married last week. And so, okay, everybody laughed. But if you've been married over a week, all marriages have problems. All Christian families have problems, mine included. No one's excluded from this. Now, there's a, a, a danger from certain attitudes we can pick up, subtly and not so subtly, that kind of deny the idea that it's common for Christians to have problems. Because if you're listening to my voice, you have problems, okay? You have problems in your individual life. You have problems in your marriage. You have problems in your family. But you could get the idea that maybe something's wrong with you. I mean, fundamentally wrong with you because you have problems, because problems are uncommon. Now, where would you get an idea like that? How about starting with Catholic conferences? Now, I'm not picking on Catholic conferences because I've done a lot of Catholic conferences all over North America. And I do believe that Catholic conferences are especially good for evangelism, for kind of having an awakening experience for those who are somewhat dead in their faith. I know at uh, men's conferences, very often uh, guys come who haven't been to confession 5, 10, or 15 years and go to confession. Uh, Conferences are a great way to bring friends and family members uh, back to the faith, because usually it's a special event that prompts somebody to respond to an invitation more than just, do you want to come to church with me Sunday? Now, it's a good thing to invite, and uh, my children particularly have been good at inviting friends, even non-Catholic friends, to attend Mass with them, and they say yes and go. But here's the danger of attending a Catholic conference because, uh, and this is kind of a real narrow edge, you've got to promote it. And in fact, the first Catholic men's conference where we went over 200 men, and this was back in the day when when uh, basically people would look me in the eye and say, you know, men won't come to a Catholic conference. So we're trying to get them going. It was an advertising executive that pushed us over the 200 mark back when this was something impossible to do, a 200 in attendance. So you have to advertise, you have to get the word out, you have to do your promotions. But 
there's a way to kind of going over the edge that can be very dangerous to everyone's spiritual welfare, including the speakers, when you start promoting the speakers as Catholic celebrities or Catholic personalities. We kind of have this uh, superhero speakers uh, at this conference, and rather than leaving edified, you leave thinking, ugh, woe is me. I, I don't have it all together like they do. I wonder just what's wrong with me. Let me let you in on a secret, okay? All Christians have problems. I'm not saying the same problems, the same intensity of problems, but all Christians have problems, and sometimes we get the wrong impression from the way uh, certain speakers are introduced, and uh, I, I know I rebel against this when I'm introduced as a Catholic personality or something. No, I'm sorry. I'm Steve. I'm a human being. I'm a Christian. I have problems. So uh, we got to watch that about trying to make images, false images, out of good people who speak at these conferences. And many people uh, in my past, I've been a a Protestant pastor, but very often pastors and priests are put up on such a high pedestal, they think, oh, they just don't know what I go through because, you know, they don't simply have the temptations and struggles that I have working in a regular job. And if that's your thought, that uh, somehow uh, priests and pastors are excluded from my statement that all Christians have problems. Listen to this Bible verse from Sirach, chapter 2 and verse 1. My son, if you come forward to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for temptation. In other words, by being a priest or a Protestant pastor, coming forward to serve the Lord, your level of temptation isn't going to go down. It's going to go up. And, you know, uh, somebody might say, well, what about somebody like, uh, let's see, John Paul II? He's a saint now. Yeah. But did you know that he went to confession every week? Every week? So if you're going to be the pope, you not only have to be prepared for temptation like Sirach chapter 2 and verse 1 says, you have a target with a huge red bullseye painted on your back. So again, no one's excluded from the statement, all Christians have problems. Now, I want to talk to you uh, about the cousin to the Catholic celebrities and that is the congregational or parish superhero. And you probably know a person or persons in your parish who everyone regards as super holy and maybe super enthusiastic for the faith or a super prayer warrior or they're super charismatic or they're super this or super that. And you might say, wow, uh, they've just managed to make it to a level where they never encounter problems. I just want to say to you, as a former pastor and talking to 
some of these folks who were the parish or congregational superheroes of one sort or another, I'm just going to tell you point blank, they have problems too. All Christians have problems. And one of the tricks in spiritual warfare is to make you think that somehow the fact that you have problems, you're unloved by God, you're uh, a spiritual failure, you're destined for uh, failure in life or marriage or whatever else, that's not the case. Now, here's a new one, but it's long the same line as Catholic celebrities and Catholic personalities and superheroes and all of this, and that's enhanced social media posts. And <laughs> folks, this is really dangerous to folks of all ages uh, because the pictures of the perfect, exciting, and enviable vacations and family life and everything else, somebody might say, well, gee, I'm not like that. wonder why I'm missing out on things. I wonder why I kind of have some of the struggles, you know? I've been married five years, and now we have a two-year-old baby, and, you know, it's a little tough right now. And I wonder why they just are all smiles. Let me let you in on a secret. Uh, just listen to a country and western song. One of my favorites by Brad Paisley. It's entitled, I'm So Much Cooler Online. And it's basically a pizza delivery guy who's just kind of striking out in all areas of life. But boy, when he gets online, the image gets inflated to the nth degree. And again, that can be a way you start comparing yourself with others. And uh, social media is fine, but just remember, it's virtual reality. It's not real reality. Now, this is a very subtle one, and this is a special one for Catholics. Uh, there is a Catholic apologetics pitfall. What? Are you against Catholic apologetics? No, no, no. I've got a whole bunch of Catholic apologetics resources I've made myself. If you're a Catholic for a while and you start studying particularly apologetics, you come to the conclusion, and it's the proper conclusion, that the Catholic faith is a much fuller expression of Christianity than Protestant alternatives. It is. So, as a result of that truth, it's easy to take that truth a step further and say, well, since we are superior, we will not have as many problems as our Protestant friends. Now, the biggest problem, <laughs> sin, that I can think of for your personal life, your married life, or your family life is pride, a capital sin. Proverbs 16 and verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And just the fact that you know a lot of apologetics uh, don't look down on anyone, uh, you know, who might be going through a struggle, who may not share your Catholic faith and just say, well, I don't have that problem. Well, you may not, but you may have the problem of pride, which can lead to a lot of other problems believe me, okay? Humility. And right along this line, Catholics do have problems. There's a certain sense that since it is the fullness of the faith to think that somehow we're immune from problems. And 
you look at Revelation chapter 2 and 3, there's seven churches there that uh, each church gets a letter that St. John delivers uh, from Jesus Christ to each of these seven Catholic churches. There were no other churches around, okay? The Protestants didn't begin till 1,500 years later. So these are seven Catholic churches, and except for maybe one or two of the seven, uh, the others had major, major problems. So just because they were Catholic didn't mean they were immune from problems. The reason? Because they were people, <laughs> and people in the church caused problems, okay? Um, and then take the Catholic Church of Corinth. The, in the New Testament, there's a couple of letters, First and Second Corinthians from St. Paul to the church in Corinth. They had a string of problems, and guess what? Their problems didn't immediately go away because after the apostles died, there were writers in the early church called the Apostolic Church Fathers. And guess what one of the earliest letters were? It was, Actually, it was a pair of letters to the church in Corinth. They continued to have problems. So just let me repeat. All Christians have problems. All Christian marriages have problems. All Christian families have problems, mine included and all Catholics included. Now, why is that? It's go to the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2, before there was any sin, Adam and Eve were living in harmony within themselves. There was a peace and a balance. They were living in harmony with each other, with God, and yes, even with nature. There was no death, no sickness, no crime, no personal conflicts, no marital conflicts, and no weeds, okay? If you jump fast forward to the second last chapter of the Bible in Revelation 21 and maybe couple that with the great prophecies in Isaiah 65, you again reach the point on the new earth. There's a real new earth for eternity where just like Genesis 1 and 2, there's no sin, and it's actually going to be a more glorified status than it was in Genesis 1 and 2, but in the real new heavens and new earth, we'll be living in a new body, a real body, that doesn't experience pain, sickness, or death. There will be no interpersonal conflicts. How about that? There will be multi-generation family reunions, and it won't be like some negative Thanksgiving experiences. There won't be any drama or conflict with generations of families in union. There will be no wars among nations. There will be no conflicts within marriages. We'll be at peace within ourselves, with each other, and the entire world around us. And in the meantime, between Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelation 21, there are lots of problems, okay? Now, I want to give you a picture. I think it's a pretty good picture from history of how God wants to work in your life and mine. And in the Old Testament, the children of Israel had just experienced a great burst of uh, spiritual energy, you might say, a, a, a liberation from slavery in Egypt, okay? Their lives changed. Uh, they didn't do too well immediately, and they experienced 40 years in the wilderness, 
But in Deuteronomy chapter 7, Moses was getting them ready to go into the promised land. The key verse is Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 22. And and this is a, a verse that you should be able to find and reference because you're going to see um, as time goes on, you explore some problems and, and progress you make with problems in your life uh, from this verse. But here we are. Moses was saying to children of Israel, don't say in your heart, these nations are greater than I. How can I dispossess them? Okay. In other words, you can come out, have your conversion experience or your reversion experience. You have a burst of spiritual energy. And uh, there can be almost immediately a lot of problems just kind of like fall away in your life. There's, there's great change, but there remains a number of challenges, enemies, and obstacles to overcome in your life. And Moses says, don't be afraid of these uh, nations. They appear greater than you are, but now you're not dealing with these problems alone. God's going to be with you. And he said, remember, what happened in Egypt. I mean, Pharaoh was like a world uh, uh, king and had one of the greatest armies on earth. You were slaves and defenseless, and uh, you defeated them. You really didn't. It was God working through you. All right. Now, he comes back in Deuteronomy 7, verse 21. You shall not be in dread of them. And I'll just insert here, and I'll explain why in a minute. You shall not be in dread of the problems in your life, your marriage, or your family. For the Lord your God is in the midst of you, a great and terrible God. Now here is the key. Verse 22, Deuteronomy 7. The Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little. You may not make an end of them at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. Okay, you picture Moses doesn't go into the Holy Land. Joshua takes over and takes the children of in, uh, children of Israel into the Holy Land, crossing the Jordan River, and now the whole place is filled with enemies. And remember, these enemies can be those challenges you face in your life, your marriage, your family, okay? And God says, I'm going to do it little by little, because if I did this all at once, kind of like the Passover wasn't all at once thing, but there was a lot more in that progressive stage that follows the conversion experience, the progressive stage that follows the reawakening of your spiritual life, because it would create a void that would then perhaps prompt a lot of negative things to come back in that you're not really ready to handle. So in other words, there's kind of like a two-stage for this conquest of the what was back then the unholy land. To make it the holy land, uh, there would be this sudden part, and that was the exodus, uh, maybe the first crossing of the uh, Jordan River and then the defeat of Jericho. These were uh, miraculous and sudden, but then the rest of the conquest to form the completion of it would be gradual, little by little. Now listen to what St. Bede says about that. He's applying verse 22 of Deuteronomy 7. He applies it to the Christian struggle against the enemies of the soul. Quote, it shows us the care 
we must take. Not that the sins of our flesh may be expelled or overcome quickly, so that the spiritual beasts, demons, like boastfulness or pride or vainglory may come, which require greater strength in order to be rooted out than the bodily vices. And this is what St. Bede's commentary on the Pentateuch. Hear this. Now, a lot of people are struggling with uh, sexual sins, uh, pornography addictions, and these things aren't overcome quickly. But St. Bede says there's actually some things worse, that if um, these things which we struggle with, which I actually promote humility, dependence, and trust on Christ rather than ourselves, which is actually growth in holiness by learning humility, trust in Christ, not ourselves. Because he says, if boastfulness, pride, or vainglory came in, these would be the worst things to come in that would occupy that space. Uh, The Orthodox Study Bible, a study Bible put out by our Orthodox friends, uh, in a section on Deuteronomy 7.22, cite uh, John Cassian, who was writing about the year 420 A.D., and John Cassian is highly regarded by both the Eastern and Western churches, and he wrote uh, some very important uh, writings for early monks. In fact, St. Benedict uh, used some of his early ideas for his Benedictine order, but they were entitled The Conferences of the Desert Fathers. And here's what he says. The nations, referring to Deuteronomy 7, speak of the sinful passions and how we are to war against them. We are to take them on one at a time by the grace of God until we have gained victory over them. In other words, there's a progression in growth in spiritual life. And to deny uh, you have a problem is a problem. We all have problems. Most of us know that. We just question ourselves when some images are projected through media and advertising and social media and whatnot that somehow we think that we are immune from this. Now, this is, this is a pattern that goes all the way back. In fact, uh, John Cassian was was writing back in 420 and realized what God wants to do in a Christian life, had had a comparable uh, experience of what the Israelites experienced in the Holy Land. Now, in this series, I'm just going to at least tentatively title it Common Christian Problems. Uh, I'm going to be working from a list of common problems that uh, Insight for Living, an evangelical radio ministry, did a 2014 study, and they uh, came up with, they called Counseling Insights, which I found very useful, we'll be using, but they came up with the top 10 problems that people are presenting to pastoral counselors. And this might, these were probably evangelical churches, but I've been I pastor an evangelical church. I've been in family ministry in a Catholic church. There's not too much difference between Catholics and evangelicals because we all have common problems, common Christian problems. The number one problem presented to churches were marriage problems, okay? Uh, Number two, problems related to worry, anxiety, 
and fear. Number three, uh, depression. And I would take that as probably maybe even a little higher uh, since it, it just seems in the last few years things have really ramped up in that area. Addictions, and we'll talk about the different types of addiction. Uh, sexual problems, anger and hostility, number six. Number seven, problems with children. And number eight, there is a tie, um, a grief, and then also tied with number eight, or you could call it number nine, guilt and forgiveness. And then number 10, catastrophic terminal illnesses. Now, that's not a complete list because from some other research I've been digging into, uh, guess what married couples argue about, argue about the most? Well, I'm not going to tell you. You're going to have to stick around this, this, this series, but I'll tell you, it's not on the one to 10 list. It's, it's totally off that list, but it's the thing that couples argue about. So obviously it's a common Christian problem. And then there's what I would call, that was number 11, the thing you argue about most, Christian married couples, the fastest up-and-comer problem to uh, marriages and family life. And again, I'm not going to tell you. Stick around. We'll be discussing that. And i just tell you where I'm coming from on this. Uh, as I approach these type of things, uh, I approach it Christian first, first, front, and center, primary. Uh, insights from psychology are indeed useful, instructive, insightful, but they are second. Uh, there are some voices who happen to be Christians, Protestant or Catholic, who basically have their primary influence from secular psychology and then sprinkle it with holy water. Uh, I kind of go at it the other way. And I am a man who's willing to take in many perspectives so long as they are true. So obviously Catholic uh, teaching um, You'd be surprised. Catholic papal teaching has a whole lot of very good things to say for common Christian uh, problems. Uh, Orthodox view of psychotherapy is fascinating, and I'll be sharing that with you. Um, the evangelical uh, counselors, um, a number of them that I profited from in my experience and what's good, I'll be sharing my own pastoral experience I'll be sharing because I've learned a lot through doing that. Uh, Dr. Paul Witz, a Catholic uh, psychologist, has influenced me greatly, and I'll be sharing about him. So um, there's a number of insights I'll be sharing with you as we go through and tackle some of these common Christian problems. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at dads.org to order copies of Faith and Family broadcasts and to learn more about Catholic family life.